Hi there. I'm very excited about my guest, but before I get to my guest, I have a little message from our sponsor. Hi there. Have you been looking for a science curriculum with a Christian worldview? Well, look no further than Light Lab. I've known Suzanne O'Shara since I created the movie, Let There Be Light. And this is a science curriculum with lessons for kids to explore the nature of light and Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It's a book for kids between ages 8 and 12. It consists of 12 lessons on the nature of light with hands-on activities that are simple and engaging. The Bible studies revolve around God as the creator, his plan for mankind through Christ, and the importance of knowing his word and the Holy Spirit's role in the lives of Christians. So check it out today, Light Lab. Just click on the link, and if you enter SAM10, you'll get 10% off your purchase. So check it out now for your discount and enjoy. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. I'm your host, Sam Sorbo, and I'm joined now by um, Abraham Hamilton, who comes to us from the American Family Association. He is the, a public policy analyst, also a general counsel, and the father of six young children. And uh, so we're going to talk today about what's happening in our schools with the parents' outcry and the schools basically saying, hey, folks, your kids belong to us. Welcome to the show, Abraham Hamilton. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's this is such a hot topic these days. Parents don't know what to do. And um, they are very confused at being told that, no, when you surrender your children at the schoolroom doors, uh, they belong to the school and to the teachers. So what do you say about that? Yeah, I said, first of all, they're, they're grossly... Uh, misunderstand grossly misunderstand their roles uh but i also say i i wonder what it will take for american parents to wake up and realize what has happened with our educational system the things that happen in tyranny now it's 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 new in its intensity but it's not new in its origin and its intentions and this is really the culmination of really well over 100 years worth of efforts to utilize the school system to separate children from their families and to use the they call it education system. I have a hard time using that terminology to, to describe it that way, uh, but to use it as a mechanism for, I'm just telling you the truth, they use it as a mechanism for creating the social activists of the future. It's no wonder that we've gone from, you know, under Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall to an overwhelming amount of young people uh, pledging their support for a self-described socialist for president. Uh, that's not a coincidence. It's actually a feature of how our system of miseducation has been designed. Yeah, I, I like that you that you qu qualify it with the the miss. It's miseducation. I I would say uneducation. It's basically the process of removing education from the child, <laughs> and uh, uh, and they've been doing it for yeah. well over a hundred years. And so now we are at a place where the parents are at a loss, probably because they went to school. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I would say that. I mean, you, you have people who protest indoctrination. The reality is they don't have a problem with indoctrination. They just want to be the ones who control how it's done. But when you consider things like dating back to the 1700s, where Horace Mann said those parents who send their children uh, to our government schools, we see them, we view them as having given hostages to our cause. Hostages. And this is in the, in the 1700s. You know, and then you go forward, Charles Francis Potter, uh, John Dewey and others 
they they have intentionally created this system of uneducation, as you described it. Uh, and now we're seeing the, the negative fruit of that. And a part of the problem with parents discerning it is, as you said, uh, that they've been plugged into this system to where they can't even envision another mechanism of, you know, con communicating the paideia and, and nuthesia of their children other than this undereducation system that we have currently. Yeah, I should point out that Abraham Hamilton has the Hamilton Corner, which is the AFA uh, podcast that he that he hosts. You can go to AFR.net for American Family Radio. Just Right. Um, so parents are okay. parents are uh, disturbed by this idea that they're giving over their children. And in fact, the schools are the ones that are mistaken because when we've had lawsuits where parents have sued the school for not teaching their children how to read, and there have been several of those, in every case, the court finds that it is the parent's responsibility. So the parent thinks that they're giving their responsibility to the school, and the school takes not the responsibility, but all of the good stuff and the control, right? So it's this really um, yeah. uh, imbalanced equation. And now, so what is your message to parents these days? What are you, what are you advising them to do? Yeah, for, for the longest I was hesitant to do this. You probably know this, but my wife and I made the decision over 10 years ago to, to disciple our children from our home. And, and I think when you consider how far gone the system is, uh, especially if you're a Christian parent, you have no really have no options other than really taking them out of these these school systems. You know, I, I mentioned Charles Francis Potter before in 1930. He said education is thus a most powerful ally of humanism and every American school is a school of humanism. What can theistic Sunday schools do meeting for once a week for an hour and teaching only a fraction of the children to stem the tide of a five day program of humanistic teaching? Now, this is in 1930. We'd actually published this in a book titled A New Religion. You know, for how long will we continue to allow these things to happen without making the necessary adjustments? And I don't mean to impugn any uh, educator or, you know, well-intended administrator, uh, but the reality is the system is bent in a particular direction to where it is hostile to the family, is hostile to, to faith in God, and it's going full speed ahead on a road going south. No matter how hard you try to run north on that train, you're on the train heading southward. And the society that we have today in America is not the feature of coincidental development over time. It has been intentionally designed this way with the miseducation or uneducation system being the primary vehicle for creating what we have in American society today. Yeah, and in fact, I would say the, the system is hostile to God because if you read the Bible, you know, show me the passage that says, find a good school for your child. Um, I would say that, the, that the schooling that children receive is a distraction from true education. Wouldn't you agree? I, I completely agree. You know, you, you, you have people who have articulated that it was not their intention for them to learn anything. Uh, you know, you have Chester Pierce, Harvard Dean of Education, who said children at four or five years old who come to school, they come to school sick because they have this allegiance to their parents to God, to the, to the founding fathers, to America as a separate sovereign entity. And it is the job of the educator to make all of these sick children well. Well, then you have the recent national education assessment of national progress statistics come out. And what did it show? Oh, guess what? American children are not proficient in history, not proficient in mathematics, not proficient in English, because that's not, not been the intention for over a century. Now, they've been stating that this is an intention, while at the same time doing yeah. the exact opposite. Yeah, and inside fact, of the building. In fact, you have to go and define proficient because yes. even their definition of proficient is is lax. And so 
for them, I know that in the state of Ohio, uh, in one metric, proficient was a 36% test score, which of course, by any other metric is a failing grade, but they've right. lowered their proficiency standards so that they could at least say that a certain number of students were proficient. And even those students are failing. There's a story of a, a girl a couple of years back who, who graduated at the top of her class. She was valedictorian in Detroit. She went to University of Michigan and had to take a remedial math class. Mm -hmm. And she was stunned because yeah. she'd been told her whole life that she was top of her class and she, you know, yeah. she was just going to rule the world. And of course, <laughs> that's very far from the truth. Um, and they've and they've bent rules to uh, for admissions to get kids into schools where um, they're actually harmed by this process. I think also, and I want to ask you about this. Um, when when the system self-defines its goal to be college prep and career readiness, that puts a dollar sign on the backs of every child. Yes. Right. And so yes. if if their highest goal is college prep, and, and by the way, it also targets colleges, right? It, it also prepares children simply for college. And if you don't go to college, then you're just a loser who doesn't yes. go to college. But not every child needs a college education. It is not an appropriate education for every child, right? You're absolutely right. And it, it just calls to mind the, the infamous John D. Rockefeller quote, uh, as the industrial industrial revolution took shape in our nation, where, where he said, you know, we don't, I don't need somebody on my assembly line trying to figure out a better way to put my widget on. I don't need thinkers. I need workers. Uh. <laughs> I don't need thinkers. I need workers. And then it goes on a national campaign, you know, funding what becomes our education system. It, 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 they're trying to uh, put cogs in the wheel as opposed to uh, preparing children with virtue and understanding what, what learning truly is. Um, it is not intended to accomplish that task. So many parents who send their children to these places expecting a particular outcome become shocked to learn that the outcome is not achieved when that has not been the design for quite some time. Right. So that's not the design. In fact, that's why uh, my latest, my last book was Playbook for Home Learning, where I ask parents, get a, get a vision of your future. Take a look at what you're hoping for for your child, because so many parents, and I was one of them, just signed up for school because that's what you do. Yeah. And you make assumptions about what the school's going to provide for your child, but they're entirely assumptions. Do we, we, we check the schools. We, we do the research. We say, oh, this school has a 94% graduation rate in this school mm -hmm. district. And, you know, 78% of those kids go to college or 84% of those kids go to go or whatever. And you go, okay, this is a good school. And I remember even the realtor saying, well, the schools here are very good. Well, define good. We're 36th in the okay. world, right? Yeah. So how good is good and compared yeah. to what? And of course that brings me to my own education. When was I taught discernment in my mm -hmm. education uh, career? When were you taught discernment, Abraham? Not in the government indoctrination complexes, not at all. Uh, these things, by God's grace, I was able to uh, meet and pursue outside of that. And, and frankly, I'm still learning. I'm an attorney and different things, but I'm still learning now. Uh, the place where children learn to kind of disfavor education in some instances, disfavor the acquisition of knowledge and information are in these places. You know, the oh, that's so great. The script is said we gotta we gotta park on that for just a minute. Sure. The the sure. the places where children learn to disfavor education. In other words, children learn to hate learning. Yes. In school, that is such yes. an important 
point. And it's, it's one of the points that I try to make, because of course I'm an advocate for home, home learning, I call it uh, not mm -hmm. homeschooling. Cause I don't want you to school your child. Right. Um, and that's one of the big points is, is they're not going to learn to love to learn, which is frankly a, a tool that they will need for the future. Right. Absolutely. I, I use this picture to try to articulate the very point that you're making. Uh, and the scripture says it this way. He who walks with the wise shall become wise. I, I'm a father of six. I know you have a, a wonderful bunch of girls as well. Um, <laughs> but if I want my, my children to learn how to articulate English well, what do you think is the best way to do so? Do I sit them in a room where everybody's doing gaga goo goo? Or do I put them in a position where they spend time with people who will be conversing with them, will articulate syllables well? Which would be the best way for them to learn how to, to speak English? Well, yeah. obviously, it's obvious, right? If we understand yes. that ling with linguistic development, why don't we understand that with socialization development, wisdom development, uh, <laughs> in acquisition yeah. of information? We, we become perpetually stymied as if we are stunned and paralyzed and thinking, wait a minute, the best way for young people to learn is not to spend the majority of their existence with other people who know nothing more than them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and what it's such I a found, great point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you found as well with your encouragement for home learning is that young people who are in an environment where they spend more time with more mature, more wise people than they do with those who are less uh, developed, they find themselves to be a bit more comfortable speaking to everybody instead of having this phenomenon to where young people, if they are around young people, they're kind of socially awkward, can't say anything. And if it's an adult that comes around, there is nothing that can be said because it's a foreign phenomenon. The only socialization that they experience is being with people who really don't know anything more than them. It's not a yeah. formula for cultural wisdom. Yeah, the, the the majority and and yet all of these parents just hop on the bandwagon. So when you embarked on home home educating your children, how did you go about it? Take us, walk us through that. Yeah. Because that that was a critical decision that you made. It's a vital decision. And my wife and I, I went to public school until I got to high school. I went to private school in high school because I could play basketball. That's just the, the reality about it. But when when the Lord blessed my wife and I. Uh, before to get married, before we even had any children, uh, we decided to do a bit of studying because we wanted to have children to prepare for it, uh, to look into the formation of our system of education. And what we found was was harrowing, you know, for people to say that I don't know what's happened to our country. No, we know exactly what's happened and we funded it to the trillions of dollars and we continue to pour money in it. You mentioned us being 36 in the nation. And what is the answer? Let's put more money into it. Well, they're putting more money into it. We spend educate. We spend on education almost more than anybody in the world. If that was the answer, we would have completely different outcomes. But yeah. the reality, the, the not so secret secret, is that the system, in order to assess it, people say the public education system doesn't work. I say, in order for you to make that assessment, you have to understand what it was designed to do from the beginning. And if you don't have any idea of what it was designed to do, you do not have a foundation from which you can accurately assess its performance. The reality is, our system of uneducation is functioning as it has been intended. That's the reality. I love that you say that because I say that also. No, it's working. It, you can't fix it because it's working. You could try to break it, yes. but who knows you know, how many pieces you're going to get and, and whether you can cobble back together anything from it, but it's working as intended. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. okay. So, so you decided even before you had children to homeschool them? We did. Yeah. Uh, by God's grace. And so as our, as we studied, um, we concluded that the only options we have is uh, home learning or private Christian school. Then we found that the majority, not all, but the overwhelming majority of private Christian schools use the same pedagogical approach, the same textbooks, 
uh, as the public schools, and then they just add the Bible as an additional textbook on the side, which further proliferates this bifurcation of life into these pains. Where do you go to learn about God over on this side? Where do you go to learn about life over on this side? Which is a fundamental, really, violation of what the scripture teaches, because Christ should be the all in all in all that we know. Proverbs 1, 7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So right. there is a right question that should be asked. Can we truly articulate a biblical foundation for something being represented as knowledge that intentionally denies the knowledge of God? Amen. Amen. This is what I tell. This is what I, I talk to pastors, too. And I say, how can you say that that is a system of educating when it ignores God? You can't educate while ignoring God. You can't do it. So all the Christians should recognize that at the very least. At, at the very least. And, and I was convicted by the scripture in Ephesians 6. You know, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, uh, it's only six chapters. It's not very long. Uh, the first half of it is written in the indicative mood in Greek. The second half is in the imperative mood. So the second half is commands. The first half is this is who we are now that we're in Christ. The second half is now that we're in Christ, this is how we are to live. In Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children, rather rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, I'm accountable to the Lord for how I rear his heritage. Yeah. They're not my possession. I get to steward them for a season. And I'm commanded by God to rear them in the paideia, which means the whole training of the mind and the morals. This concept where we bifurcate reading, writing, and arithmetic from the development of spiritual virtue is an unbiblical severance. It's an unbiblical bifurcation, you know, and in the Nuthesia of the Lord. And so I will be accountable to the Lord for that. And what we found is that one of the foremost components of being able to be effective in making disciples is that it takes time. You can't make disciples in a microwave. You know, the, the Deuteronomy 6 scripture compounded, added to that, communicated to us that we were responsible and we needed a full-on uh, investment. And quantity of time gives rise to quality of time is what we've learned. Uh, that so we can't- you, Okay, so, so now I have to ask, did you, did sure. you look for curricula? Because that seems to be the go-to. Okay, so what curricula do I need? Like, did you yeah, did you not, do that? Not initially. No, uh, we started uh, with with the Bible. We started with basic, you know, phonics, basic mathematics, uh, because life is a classroom. You know, we would undergird what we talked about at the home, going to the store, looking at different things, and then as our children uh, grew older, my oldest now is is twelve, maybe thirteen. Later, we supplemented what we started at the foundational level with with different things here and there. Uh, but we did not start with curricula. No, we didn't. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Uh, that is the number one question. You know, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, then I, what's the curricula? Because the 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 school system has given us this um, this assumption that is if if you put information in, if you input information, that's education. And yeah. of course, that's not the truth. But parents oh. are, you know, they're lost. They don't know how to how to manage this. And so that's yeah, unfortunately. Um, well, that's very gratifying to hear. You're you're you, you're 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 reiterating the things that I say. Only you say them so much better. <laughs> it's it's really cool. Um, so okay, so that's how you started. So uh, one thing that I tell parents is, if your children are you know preschool age, don't send them preschool. If they're kindergarten age, just don't. Just hold off for another year. Just hold off, and um, and read to them and have some fun. And take them to the park yeah. and explore, right? Is that sort of the way you start? And and obviously read them stories from the Bible because the Bible is a fascinating book. Absolutely. And so here's a perfect example of what you're talking about right now. Our system of instruction 
our uneducation system caters literally only to one learning style. When the Lord has already shown us with our individual fingerprints that there are no two people who are identical. You know, we have scores of people who are just as intelligent as a person like me. I'm a linear learner. You give me a book, put me in the corner, I'll be fine. Whereas my wife is a kinesthetic learner. She needs hands-on engagement, tactile stimulation, and she is far more brilliant than I am. You know, but our system of uneducation only caters to one way uh, because it's not made for the wonderful variation that God has made us with. And so we have children, unsurprisingly, that are like both of us. I have one child who had to learn how to write by taking her finger and tracing in sand pits that we made inside our homes, where I had one child who I could put the, you know, the fat pencil, the connected dot letters and things of that nature. Both of them learned to write, but we approached it in different ways because they're, the way that they learn best is different. And so we have lo lots of people who are adults who haven't even tried things, hadn't tried businesses, haven't been entrepreneurs because our uneducation system told them that they were low performers. Told they were them stupid. They were dumb. They weren't smart. And so some have never even attempted to reach the potential that they have that is, that's God's given. And yes. they live lifelong with that, that self-imposed uh, social paralysis. Yes. Which is underserving the fact that every single person is made in the image of God. We all have the capacity to reach the fullness of potential that God has given any human being because every single one of us are fellow image bearers. You know what? You've brought me to a new epiphany. Uh, I, I came up with about six or eight months ago, I came up with the um, this idea that the schools have stolen from our culture, the family. They've stolen the family. Um, and they've destroyed it, virtually destroyed it, right? Um, and they've had help. It's it's not entirely the schools. And of course, we don't go after individual teachers because most teachers are are wonderful people who are trying to do the best and have, have bought in, right? They, they're just bought in, so they don't know any better. But what I've realized is not, not only did they steal the family, but they stole people's futures by telling those individuals that they're stupid and they stole the creative spirit from the culture so that we could be so much farther in, in progress, right? Mm -hmm. If they hadn't done that, my, my daughter is beyond uh, my husband and me. We're, we're both, I, I suppose you might call us linear learners, or maybe he's more kinetic than I am or, or something, but, um, and my two boys are pretty, pretty linear. She's a super creative. And she thinks her brain works completely differently. She sees the world differently than I do. She, I, I've, I've realized that now. And so then I started trying to serve her with the education that I was trying to instill in her. And, um, and I'm just thinking, the, the other day she said to me that kindergarten, because she went to public school for kindergarten, kindergarten was where she learned she was stupid. Mm. And it took her years, years. Mm -hmm to, to, to unlearn that. I don't know that she, she still, that she has completely yet. She just recognized that, um, that she learned it there. And so now she compensates for it. But, you know, at the early ages, like the last thing you want to do is put your children in a vat of other children. It's just, it's, it's child abuse at this point. And with what the teachers are doing now, where, um, back to back to the beginning right where we were talking about how the courts are saying no you know 
the um, the school authorities are the owners of your children, and when you drop them off, you you suspend your rights and the teachers' rights, and you know the parents just have to live with it. The teachers have all the rights. The administrators have rights over your children. Um, I'm hoping that that wakes some parents up, that they that they refuse to surrender their children, come what may, and that they just they just say, you know what, we'll just we just have to figure out a different way to get the education done, and then they start doing research, right? Yeah. Uh... Man, so much there. Uh, it's like the, I know you're referring to a case out of the Fourth Circuit to where parents had this audacious idea, you know, uh, that if you find out at, at some school, if you're a teacher and administrator and you're trying to socially transition my child, you have to notify me, you know? And the court's saying, no, no, they, they don't have to notify you. And, and arguing that these parents didn't have standing to file this lawsuit uh, because their children weren't going undergoing this so-called gender transition plan. But the reality is that the ruling concerning standing prohibits the parents from learning the information that would give them the standing to be able to file the lawsuit. You know, you have well, the same yeah, thing. I mean, it seems like their argument would be like, how do you know my child isn't transitioning? Exactly. Right? How do you that, know that, I don't have standing? Like a, seems like a very simple rebuttal. Uh, but you have you know, the education establishment, by and large, not individual teachers. Uh, I, I know teachers generally into the profession with good intentions, you know. Yes. But as you mentioned, once they get into uh, this system, it kind of consumes you. Uh, you know, now you have the judi judiciary affirming this type of lunacy. You know, you have uh, out in California, a parent had the audacity again to say, we think you need to notify us. And you have the attorney general of the state of California and the superintendent saying, no, we you, we don't need to let you know. You send your kids here. We own them. They're mine. They're ours. And as you mentioned, I do hope that it wakes some parents up. And I pray for some individual families that it's not too late, because unlike other areas in life, thank God for his grace, grace and his forgiveness. But here's the reality. And this is this is strong medicine. God's forgiveness is real, but sin has different consequences in time. And you don't get to go back and repeat age eight. You don't get to do. 10, 11, and 12 over again. You know, we have a saying in trial work, you can't unring a bell once it's rung. You know, there's certain things like you pointed out, and it, it just gripped my heart hearing you say that, having your own child testify that, man, I learned that I was stupid in kindergarten. That is, and, and how many other, you know, adults right now will tell you this, they're trying to overcome things that somebody said to them in high school. You know, yeah. people still trying to exercise demons from high school because God made us to be social. People make imprints upon us at various stages of our development. And I, I just, by God's grace, my wife and I have made the decision that we're not letting the government get his grubby hands on our children. Simply put. Yeah, I, that's a that's that's really beautiful. And I I will say, you know, it broke my heart when I heard that. It's a hard thing to comprehend that I was the cause, you know, I'm the one who put her there, right? And so I hope that somebody listening to this will think twice before they allow their their young child into anybody's hands who you haven't yeah. vetted. I had no idea who the kindergarten teacher was. She was appointed, right? She was hired by some school administrator who I'd also never met, who was hired by some other school administrator who I'd also never, right? I interview babysitters, but school teachers, who thinks to do that? And yet these days, this is what you you absolutely must do. And uh, sadly, trust no one. Um, I don't typically lean into fear uh, as, as, a, as a manipulation for people, but I got to say, I, I want parents to be scared now. I want them to be scared to submit their children to anybody, to surrender their children to anybody, um, because it's, it, it's very dangerous out there now. 
and you say you can't unring a bell once it's been rung. Well, you can't reattach uh, breasts to a female once she's undergone breast removal surgery, and they're doing it to children as young as 12. So, you know, this is this is absurdity. It's it's child abuse and um, it has to stop. And here's the thing. I don't know what these court cases are going to. I don't know how they're going to get resolved, but what I'm hoping is that enough people see them to save their own kids, because I'm a, I'm, I'm more about the individual children. So people yeah. say to me, but Sam, not everybody can homeschool. Well, first of all, yes, they can. Sorry. Yes, they can. Just because you don't think that, that, that they can do it. I have more faith in people than you do. How about that? Right. But secondly, it's going to take a remnant and there are going to be a lot of abused children who will need help in the future. And I'm hoping that the children who aren't being abused will be there to help, right? And it won't be all of them because not every parent is going to wake up, but hopefully there will be enough parents to, to, take, uh, to take courage from what you've shared with us today and, and maybe a little bit of courage from what I've shared or, or maybe a little fear from what I've shared. Courage from you, fear from me. I don't know. Um, so any, any last thoughts as we, as we conclude here? Yeah, you, you said something that's so profound. Uh, many people who say that they cannot, uh, disciple or instruct their children from home have not really honestly considered it. Uh, the next thing that just truly has to be confronted is whether or not F, as we assess that reality, uh, what is truly our life's priority? You know, we sacrifice for all kinds of things. I know people you know, I grew up in the hood, you know, growing up in New Orleans in the hood, where do you go to see the, the, the nicest cars and the rims? You go to the projects. Yes, they're poor, uh, but poor people have priorities too, you know, and, and and poverty in America is not poverty globally, you know, and the things that are priority to us, we not only pursue them, we'll make sacrifices to them. I can't envision anything more important than what we will do with our children for the sh short window of time that we have to shape and mold their hearts and their character. Um, and so I would encourage everybody listening to me to honestly consider whether or not you can uh, help to instruct your children from home. And secondarily, um, to be honest, whether or not it's something as very simple as selfishness is preventing you from doing so. Wow. Okay. Now that you brought it up, because this is a big, big point for me, and, and maybe this is something that you can take and use. We are taught in school that sacrifice is bad. We're taught in school that sacrifice is the giving up of, and we don't want to give up anything, right? But sacrifice is for the greater gain. It's for our greater gain. And so I'm sorry about that. Um, and so I think we are called to sacrifice and primarily you're called to sacrifice for your children. So you should be searching for how and where to sacrifice for your children. And homeschooling yeah. is the, is the greatest place to start. So yeah, that's very, very well said. That's just great. You can go to AFR.net. Uh, look uh, on the podcast page. You can look up the Hamilton corner. It airs live every evening from five to 6 PM central six to 7 PM Eastern time on the AFR network. Uh, you can anywhere on all social medias, wherever, uh, social media, wherever, look for the Hamilton Corner. You can you can find me. I'll be the there. Hamilton Corner, folks, the Hamilton Corner to hear more of the wisdom of this uh, this gentleman who really blessed me today. Also, AFA.net for American Family Association, where he serves as general counsel. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program. Abraham Hamilton, and this is the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks so much for joining me.
Yeah.